welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. Let's pray and let's get into what the Lord has for us for the rest of the service. Father, we're asking that for the rest of this service, you would supernaturally speak to us. Help us to go beyond natural learning, natural teaching. Help us to tap into heaven. You know what we need to hear today. You know what will change our lives. You know what will prepare prepare us for the future. You know what will help us get through what we've been struggling with. Let the words in the ministry of heaven come forth now supernaturally and powerfully and may every one of us be good receivers in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Turn to 1 John chapter 5. I have not forgot that we're in the middle of a series on manifestations of the Spirit, but I did have an impression to go a little bit different direction. It'll connect eventually, of course. The whole Bible connects eventually. But I want to talk about something today after we read this verse here that I think everybody can relate to and probably would be very glad to hear what I have written down here to hear today. So 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Whatever is born of God. Now what he's talking about here, whoever has received Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior is by nature a world overcomer. You don't really have to try, 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 try. You just got to believe, 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 believe you are. It's not really about potential. It's about believing. This scripture here says, whatever is born of God is what? A world overcomer. This is not just something you do. This is something you are. You are a world overcomer. So many people trying to be what they already are. If they just believe they are and start living like they believe they are, they would see the supernatural help of God show up in their life. Say this, I, according to God, am a world overcomer. So what does that mean? Well, what's in the world that you don't like? Demons. You you can overcome them. You are a world overcomer. They're in the world, you overcome them. Disease, that's in the world, right? Sickness, fear. Doubt, oppression. I mean, we can name 101 things here that are in the world that we are what? Overcomers over. In other words, when these challenges come our way, we come over them. They do not come over us. But now, here's the thing. The verse didn't end with, he that's born of God overcomes the world. There's a conjunction after that. Did you notice? And... This, let's get specific about it. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. How important is faith? Well, it's, it's being destroyed or not being destroyed important. It's making it or not making it important. How many of you would rather be an overcomer than overcome? Because when you're overcome, you're pretty much under the thing you don't want to be under and it's controlling you and it's having its way in your life. You don't have to be that way. This scripture says, the victory that overcomes the world is our faith. So if you're interested in victory, you need to be interested in faith. 
It's, it amuses me sometimes. I guess I shouldn't because it's sad. People that just, just take sides and say, well, I just, I'm going more with grace. I'm not going with faith. Or I'm going more with faith. I'm not going with grace or whatever it may be. How about we go with all of it? I mean, come on. It's like, if, if you want to overcome the world, you're going to need to be interested in faith. What it is, how it comes, how to develop it, how to release it, how to use it. You know, the scripture says in Ephesians 6, verse 16, that we are told to lift up the shield of faith, wherewith we shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. What does that mean? That means faith is more than something you have. Faith is something you need to learn how to use. You lift up a shield of faith. You quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, which are disease, sickness, fear, oppression, the whole list of things. How do you quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one? The shield of what? The shield of hope? No, hope's good in its place, but that's not what quenches all the fiery darts of the devil. Well, what's the difference between faith and hope, Pastor? Keep coming to the church and you'll find out. It didn't, notice this, it didn't say lift up the shield of goodness and you'll quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Xander, go ahead and put that up there, Ephesians 6, 16. It says, above all, everybody say above all, take up the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. What quenches all the fiery darts of the wicked? You know, Oppression and depression and fear and doubt and anxiety and panic and sickness and fear. What, what, what quenches all the fiery darts? The shield of faith. What do you do with the shield of faith? You pick it up. You realize it's not just something I have, it's something I use. You get the gun out of the closet, right? You stop the enemy. You do what you got to do with what you got. I thought it was interesting. He didn't say, uh, take up the shield of faith where will you automatically quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. No, you're able to, but are you going to use your ability? Are you going to use what the Lord gave you? Are you going to build your faith? Are you going to release it? Or are you just going to say, I have faith, I have faith? That's like saying, I have, I, have, I have weapons, I have weapons, but never pulling them out and using them against the enemy. You can have faith and still be defeated on the battlefield. You need to learn how to use your faith. Go back to 1 John 5, 4. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Overcoming is my nature. It's not something I'm earning. It's not something I'm in the process of getting someday. It's my nature. I am an overcomer. That's why I overcome. I don't have to overcome to be an overcomer. I'm already an overcomer and I just overcome. You have to renew your mind to this. You have to, you have to renew your mind because the world didn't teach us this. You're going to have to... And listen, we, we haven't... <laughs> for, for many years, decades of our life, many of us, we've been told we're victims. We cannot do certain things about certain problems. It may take us 39 years to learn that we're victims. It may take a little longer than a week to realize we're victors. But we got time. We're going to be around forever. So... Overcoming is who we are. Do you see yourself as an overcomer? So let me just read you a few things here. Instead of always trying to overcome, just believe you're an overcomer and talk like it and act like it. And then the supernatural power of God comes on the scene. We got to quit trying to be something we already are. 
We need to spend more time meditating on what God said than trying to be what we think we aren't. <laughs> that was good. Can you repeat that ten times? It's more powerful to simply believe you're an overcomer than trying so hard to overcome. See, this brings the power of God on the scene. There's trying and then there's trusting. And trusting is more powerful. Now, if you're living in the flesh, you're going to think trying is more powerful. But if you understand spiritual things, you're going to realize there's nothing as powerful as trusting and believing. It's how you overcome the world. Look at 1 John 5, 4. What's the victory that overcomes the world? Even our faith. <laughs> oh, church, that's a good word. Now, I'm going to talk to you about the best way to overcome sin and sickness. Those are two things that maybe you have struggled with. If you haven't, then you're not alive. <laughs> Seriously, how many of you think it would be really cool to find out how to once and for all overcome habits? Totally free. Forever. How many think it would be great to learn how to overcome sin and sickness? Sinning, I should say. Sinning. Because Jesus took care of the sin problem. Now we just got to realize we're not sinners anymore. When you realize you're not a sinner anymore, you're not going to sin so much. You're going to slow down. You're going to stop. Do you know why sinners sin? Because they see themselves as sinners. What if you saw yourself different? Would it change the way you live? Oh, come on, church. Of course it was. We, we move in the direction of what we see, our, see we are. We, whatever you see you are on the inside, that's what you're going to see on the outside. Numbers 14 is a perfect example. It said all the children of Israel came to the you know, the, the brink of the Jordan River, getting ready to go into the promised land. And I mean, a million or, a million or so people said, we can't do what God said we can do. We're on our own side as grasshoppers. We see ourselves as grasshoppers. And that destroyed them. They, the way they saw themselves, overrode God's plan for their life. God said, you're Jericho conquerors. They said, we're grasshoppers in our own sight. And when you're a grasshopper in your own sight, you think everybody else sees you as a grasshopper. And so are we in their sight. And what happened? Instead of fulfilling God's plan and inheriting the promise, they died like grasshoppers in the wilderness and never entered into Jericho. Why? Because they saw themselves wrong. We move in the direction that we most clearly see ourselves. If, if you see yourself as pure, you'll stay out of the mud. <laughs> but if you see yourself as dirty, you're not going to think the dirt's that bad once in a while. So what do we need to work on? Scolding, smacking, or helping people to see who they really are in Christ? Come on. The best way, you ready for this? This is a powerful statement. We'll probably teach a whole seminar on just this statement right here. The best way to overcome sin is believe you're righteous. I could say that a thousand times and it wouldn't wear it out. The best way to overcome sin is to believe you are righteous like God says you are righteous. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16. 2 Corinthians 5, 16. And we'll read a couple of verses here. Go ahead and put it up on the screen anytime you get it. King James is fine. The Bible says, Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. What does that mean? That means there's an outward man, and you need to not think that's who you really are. You should not be thinking you are who you see in the mirror in your bathroom wall. You need to be thinking you are who God's word says you are. 
We know no man after the flesh. Yes, though we've known Christ after the flesh, yet now from now on we know him no more after the flesh. Next verse. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature on the inside. The most important part of you. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Where? On the inside. The most important part of you. Next verse. All things are of God now that you're born again. And he has reconciled us to himself. That word means he's hugged us up to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of hugging others up to Christ. Ministry of reconciliation. Next verse. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, not holding their sins against them after what Jesus did. And has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. We should be telling the world, God's not mad at you. Next verse. Now then, we as ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beg us, beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. Next verse. Here it is. You ready? God has made Jesus to be sin for us. He knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Oh boy. Say this. I have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. I don't have to work up to it. I've been made the new birth, the new creature that I am in Christ is as righteous as God. Now, I lost a few of you on that one. Understandable. We've been trained so weird, such a wrong direction. Jesus was made to be sin. He never sinned, but he became sin so we could become what he was, the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, when Jesus was raised from the dead, it says he's now the firstborn of every new creature. The first actually born again man. Because he became sin for us. He didn't sin, but he became sin. God could not have judged Jesus for all of our sins if Jesus hadn't become sin. Because God would be unjust to judge a righteous man. Jesus had to become sin for us so we could be made righteous. So divine justice could be satisfied and we could go free. Mm. Come on, look, look at this. Look, look, look. We've been made the righteousness of God. And what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, you got a few minutes? You want to know what that, you want to know what it means to be the righteousness of God in Christ? You've been made. You want, look at 1 Corinthians 15. Go to 1 Corinthians 15. And we're going to look at one verse here. You're going to have to pray I don't go too long because this is a subject I could just go hours on. 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 34. 1 Corinthians 15, 34. How many of you are new creatures in Christ? All right, now we got some learning to do because you're a million times more than you know it since you've been saved. You have a million times more. What does this say? Work up to righteousness and stop sinning. Is that what it said? No. Different word. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up to what? You need to wake up to the fact that you were made righteous in Christ Jesus. Quit trying to be what you already are. Be thankful that you can come into God's presence without inferiority. You can deal with powers of darkness without inferiority because you've been made something. You've been made righteous. You know what that means? It means you have rights and privileges you didn't deserve, but you got them anyway. 
And it's time for the church to start demanding their rights against the devil who says, you don't have a right for this. You unworthy thing. You just sinned last night. Blah, blah, blah. All this stuff. Do you realize being made righteous doesn't mean you're not going to trip up anymore and not sin anymore? But it doesn't make you unrighteous when you do. You may need to take a shower, but you're still righteous. Are you here? Listen to me, church. What does it say? What's the best way to overcome sin? Wake up to righteousness. Believe you're righteous. Believe you are the righteousness of God in Christ. And what comes next? Sin not. Come on, tell me the best way to overcome sin. Get your faith on it. Faith is what overcomes the world. Get your faith on it. Quit trying so hard not to sin and just believe you're righteous. Come on, get it from the inside out. Get it from the inside out. Believe you're righteous. Say this. I believe. I I am righteous. The devil says, look at your past. Look at what you did last night. Look what you did two weeks ago. Look at what you did a month ago. Look at your past. You're not righteous. What do you say to the devil? You say, shut up. I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm still a work in progress on the outside, but on the inside, I'm as righteous as they come. I, I thought it was interesting that God said, what, how, 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 how bold. He who knew no sin was made to be sin for us. That we might be made the righteousness of Billy Graham in Christ Jesus. No, it's a little higher than Billy Graham. The righteousness of Kenneth Hagin. Kenneth Copeland. The righteousness of who? What does that mean? You're as righteous as they come. Now, the more you realize this, the more your faith's going to work. The more you realize this, the more you're going to rebuke the devil when he shows his ugly head. Here's an interesting scripture, Proverbs. You ready? Proverbs 29. You ready? The wicked flee when no one pursues. Scared of every little thing. But the righteous are as bold as a lion. And this is one thing that's been lacking in the church, and that's boldness. And the reason people are not bold is because they don't believe they're righteous. And if you think, here's an interesting scenario. A lot of people today are in bondage because of guilt of past sins, not because of past sins. It's the guilt that's destroying them, not the act that they've been forgiven for. They've been forgiven for the act, but they still have this consciousness of guilt and sin. Are you listening, church? This is worth spending a whole Sunday afternoon meditating on. You are not the same person you used to be. But pastor, I've been a Christian for 20 years. Maybe it's time we start realizing what that new creation is. Did you know the new creature that you are in Christ Jesus has no problem getting answers to prayers 100 times out of 100? So here's my my word. The more we realize who we are in Christ, the easier it will be to receive what we have in Christ. Who ever heard of more than a conqueror having a hard time getting his prayers answered? Who ever heard of a world overcomer having a hard time rebuking a disease and it leaving them? See, the more we realize who we are, the more what we have is going to work better. Oh, come on, church. Here's, Here's an interesting scenario. We have been made righteous. Our nature is now righteous. Hmm? What does that mean? That means you can quit trying to be what you already are and just start acting like you is what God says you is. 
Start saying it. Start acting like it. Start turning the tide on the inside of your brain and your, your perception and get it going this way. Now, the best way to, over, the best way to overcome sin is what? Believe you're righteous. How are you going to believe you're righteous? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if you want to build your faith in this area, you're going to have to hear scriptures and teachings on you are the righteousness of God in Christ. You're going to have to hear teachings on righteousness and what that means. Oh, this is so fun. Do you guys like this? Um, we, We need to quit telling people not to sin and preach they're righteous. You get way more results if you start telling them who they really are than trying to control their outward when the inward's still messed up. Look at now, if the best way to overcome sin is to believe you're righteous, what's the best way to overcome sickness? Believe you are healed. It takes you out of the trying to get mode, which is the not faith mode. What's the best way to be healed? Just try harder to be healed. Just try hard. How about believe you were healed? Best way to be healed is believe you were healed. That doesn't make sense. I know. It's faith. Faith takes you out of the sense realm into the supernatural realm. How can, how can you believe you are something that you don't feel you are? Easy choice. You have to step into the realm of you were before you see it happen in this realm. If Jesus says, by his stripes ye were healed, then what should you do? You should believe that and say that when it doesn't look like that. Why? Because you want to change what's seen. You're not going to change what's seen with the seen. You're going to change what's seen with the unseen. And the unseen is, you were healed. I, I think you better put it up there, Xander. 1 Peter 2.24. Put it up on the screen. It doesn't get any stronger than believe, church. It doesn't get any stronger. 1 Peter 2.24. How to overcome sickness? Well, right here, the scripture says, Jesus, his own self, bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes someday you'll be healed. That's unscriptural. Someday, someday maybe, no, by his stripes you what? Anybody know what were means? Anybody know what was means? I actually looked up the word was in the dictionary. I I looked up Webster's, I looked up American Heritage, I looked up online. You know what it means? was. (laughs) Past tense. Were. How can you, how can you were healed when you still look sick? How, How can that be? Because one is a truth, a divine truth that remains forever. The other is just a physical fact that changes every so often. What you were, the Bible says you were healed. So I'm just going to say we were healed. You know, this is one of the best ways to be healed because not only are you going to get a healing, you're going to know how to stay healed when sickness tries to come back. All right, so I felt like the Lord said, don't teach people what to do. Teach them who they are in Christ and they'll want to do what they're supposed to do. Now, notice how many pages I have here. (laughs) It's hard to receive what you have in Christ like healing and deliverance before you realize who you are in Christ. It's like the cart before the horse. Our lives move in the direction according to how we see ourselves. Numbers. We are on our own side as grasshoppers. And we can't do this. And they died like grasshoppers. When God said they were overcomers. Turn to Romans 10. In verse 17. 
The Bible says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if the number one way to overcome sin is believe you are righteous, then we need to hear some things about righteousness. We need to hear some things about righteousness. Like, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. There's a scripture that says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We have been justified. Justified is another way of saying made righteous. Justified. I'm ju say, I'm justified. Here's a, good, here's a good definition of justified. Justified never sinned. Just if I'd never sinned. Jesus' blood makes it so we get blessings as if we never sinned. Did we sin? Duh. <laughs> of course. But we've been justified. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, if believing you're righteous is the best way to overcome sin, we need some teachings on righteousness. And if the best way to overcome sickness is to hear teachings on by his stripes she were healed, then we need to hear some sermons on by his stripes we were healed. Christ has redeemed us. We have been delivered. This is good. See, it's more about entering into something that's already there than trying to get something we don't have. The Bible says we enter in by faith into this grace. It says that uh, children of Israel could not enter in because of unbelief. It's not, oh God, give. It's enter in. Amen. Enter into what he's already done. Say this, I'm going in. I'm, going in. I'm entering in to the promises of God. Now this message of righteousness, okay, here's the thing. I'm not going to preach this and this message, this message is not going to change things. It's going to change you and you're going to change things. Everybody's waiting for things to change without them changing. Oh, I want a life-saving blessing. Are you ready for some life-saving adjustments? Come on, church, listen, 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 listen. This message isn't going to change a thing in your life. But it's going to change you, and then you're going to change those things as a righteous creature in Christ Jesus. Bold as a lion. Fearless in the presence of darkness. No inferiority in the presence of God because he wants you coming boldly to the throne of grace. But you can't do that with a sense of unworthiness. Guys, let me tell you the, one of the worst things in the body of Christ today and has been for generations, one of the worst things that has hindered God's people from receiving answers to prayer, hindered God's people from results in speaking the word, hindered God's people from resisting the devil properly and successfully, one of the greatest problems in the church today is a sense of unworthiness, which accompanies a sense of lack of faith, which causes many people to lie down and play dead when problems come their way. A sense of unworthiness. I remember Mark Hankins was here a few weeks ago. I got up after he got done preaching because he was teaching along these lines. And the Lord gave me this revelation. He said, you need to tell the congregation right now that many of my people have not fully recovered. They're, they're living in a degree of destruction because of guilt of past sins, not because of past sins. 
The sins were forgiven. The sins were under the blood, but this lingering, haunting sense of sin has kept them from bold faith, kept them from exercising their authority with confidence, and they're living in a realm of defeat because of a sense of unworthiness, not because of unworthiness. A sense of unworthiness. The Bible says a haunting sense of sin haunted us all of our lives until this blood of Jesus cleansed our conscience from evil works and guilt and shame. Shame is a root problem for many addictions. I don't know if you know that. They've done studies on this. Shame, guilt. And the Bible says in Romans 8, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Come on, who is he that condemns? It's Christ that died. The Bible says God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. He sent his son into the world that we might be saved. So where does condemnation come from? Answer, not the Lord. Come on. God did not send his son into the world to make us feel bad for our sins. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So where does condemnation come from? Where does guilt come from if it doesn't come from the Lord? Oh, come on, say this, church. Guilt does not come from God. And if it, if it doesn't come from God, say this, if it doesn't come from God, and it doesn't, I resist it. I say no to it. If you have feelings of unworthiness and feelings of guilt, write it in your book, put it on your wall, do a mural if you have to, not from God. I quoted you three scriptures there in the last couple minutes that shows you condemnation does not come from God. Feeling bad for your past sins does not come from God. It comes from your own heart that knows better and it comes from the devil that wants you beat in the ground. Say this, I am justified. Made righteous by the blood of Jesus. Therefore, I am bold as a lion. Some people say, well, gosh, you know, the Bible says that Jesus said, he that believes on him, the works that he did, shall believers do also, and greater works than these shall they do, because he's gone to the Father, but I just don't feel like I can. I mean, that was Jesus. Let me ask you a question. What did Jesus have that you don't have? His Father is your Father. The Holy Ghost he had, he gave to you. Amen. Right? He gave you his righteousness. So you're as righteous as Jesus. Let me tell you the definition of righteousness. Would you like to know the definition of righteousness? It's very simple. It means you have right standing with God. <laughs> oh. Woo. Now, <clears throat> Proverbs 16. Turn there. <laughs> Look at Proverbs 16, verse 12. Let me tell you another reason why a lot of people, totally connected, why a lot of people are still struggling with sins and addictions and habits, and we have all can relate to this. Go ahead and put Proverbs 16, 12. What does it say up here? <clears throat> what does it say? It's abomination to kings to commit wickedness. For the throne is established by righteousness. But wait, wait, wait. What, what is, what, it's an abomination. Can, can I tell you why a lot of people sin? Because it's not an abomination to them. It's just a, uh, uh, I got a problem. Uh, uh, I'm just trying to overcome. Y'all bear with me now. How about repent? 
and realize kings don't do that stuff. But if you don't see yourself as a king, then you might have some desires for the dirt. Come on, come on, come on. What does it say here? It's an, why is it not an abomination for many people to commit wickedness? Because they don't see themselves as kings. They don't even see themselves as a prince. They don't even see themselves as a lieutenant. They don't even see themselves as a sergeant. They see themselves as dirty and they fall into dirty things all the time because that's where they believe their home really is. Let me ask you a question. If, if, if ladies, you know, when you're married, you know, you got your wedding dress, your white wedding dress and all the sparkles and all the beautiful, bright, glistening gemstones and all that. How many of you ladies would just walk right into a mud pool with that dress on? You know, just before you walk the altar. You know, I, you know, why? Because you see yourself as white. Hmm? Now here, you want to know the really good news? Is we could have been the muddiest, dirtiest, most sinful people in the world. And after we're born again, we're just as righteous as the person out there who's never sinned. It's because it's not something you earn, it's something you're made. It's called a gift. What's a gift? It's something you don't earn. It's something you just say, thank you very much for, and start rejoicing like you is what God says you is. Come on, it's an abomination for kings to commit wickedness. Turn to Romans 5. Remember the word kings. Turn to Romans 5, 17. Let's show it out of the Amplified Classic, Alexander. Romans 5, 17, Amplified Classic. Remember the word kings. It's an abomination for kings to commit wickedness. Why is it so easy for some people to sin? Because sin is not an abomination to them. They don't see... Now, what does this say? Look, this is New Testament, Romans 5, 17. For because of one man's trespass, that's Adam, lapse in offense, death reigned through Adam. Much more. Everybody say much more. Much more. Way beyond what Adam did. Much more surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace, unmerited favor, and the free gift of righteousness, putting them in the right standing with himself, these people shall reign as kings in life through the one man, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Oh, glory to God. Let me tell you the King James. King James says, through one man, death reigned. But those of us who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life through Christ Jesus. This scripture says reign as kings in life. Uh, okay, so are you a king? Re Revelation chapter 1 says Jesus has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign forever. Amen. Yes, if, you, if you want pulled out of sin, think about this. Go back and listen to this sermon. This will pull you out of sin quicker than anything because it'll deal with your heart and your want to. It'll deal with your perception. You, if we've been made unto our God kings and priests, and this scripture says we're supposed to reign in life as kings through the one Jesus Christ after we receive the gift of righteousness, then I suggest we just get this so ingrained in us to the point where we go, ooh, at things we used to go, oh, at. How many know sin needs to become ooh to you? Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> I would say turn to your neighbor and go, ooh, but they might get offended. <laughs> oh my goodness, did you guys see that? Now, some people say, I will be righteous as soon as I start living more righteous. 
No. You will start living righteous when you realize you are righteous. Quit trying to be. Accept the word of God that says you are and have the time of your life. You will see cravings in your own being change overnight when you realize I'm not the dirty, weak, little punk I thought I was. I am the righteousness of God in Christ and I'm going to start living like it. Now the world and the devil constantly try to pull you back into your little unworthy little victim zone. But you're going to have to pull him right back into faith and say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm as bold as a lion. I didn't earn it, but I got it anyway. My past sins are under the blood. I'm clean. I'm strong. And I'm going to act like a son of God because I am. Mm-mm-mm. The wand translation, you don't have it, Xander, but let me, let me read you another modern translation of Romans 5, 17. It says, if then by one man's transgression all became subjects of death, much more shall those who receive the bounty of God and the gift of righteousness through the unique person, Jesus Christ, become lords of life. I have finally gotten my wife to call me Lord John. <laughs> and it's been in the scriptures all along. I mean, come on. Sarah called Abraham Lord. Come on, wives. It's time to call your husbands Lord. Husbands, I have a word for you. Don't you ever expect them to call you Lord until you're loving them like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. I, I say, you want a Lord? Wives, you want a Lord? Call one in. Not a new one. Call your husband. <laughs> call your present husband. Your eternal. Call your husband Lord and you'll have what you say. You'll start seeing Lord potential coming out of him. I firmly believe. There are things in my wife that she cannot give me unless I pull them out of her. There are things in me that she cannot get from me unless she attracts them out of me. The Lord made it that way. The Bible talks about Jesus presenting to himself a glorious church. He's not chancing on them just become glorious themselves. He's presenting to himself a glorious church. If you want... If you want a better spouse, quit beating on them and give them more fertilization and uh, growing miracle grow. And I mean, whoever heard of a tree doing better by beating it verbally or physically? See, pastor, my, my, my husband beats me. What should I do? Get out. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, but the Bible says there's no, no reason for divorce except fornication. If you're being beaded on, get out. Either until that person gets their act together or forever. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Don't subject it to that kind of stuff. You ready for some righteousness nuggets? The Bible says when we receive the gift of righteousness in the one translation of the Bible, the Bible says when you receive the gift of righteousness, you become lords of life. What does that mean? We ain't pushed around no more by demons. 
fears, doubts, disease. That means you're going to have to stand up to some things and quit just asking God to bail you out all the time. He gave you authority. He gave you power. You know, one of the things that's interesting about authority, and when Jesus said, I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions, figurative of demon powers, and over all the power of the enemy, nothing shall by any means hurt you. One of the interesting things about authority, my son's a police officer for 15 years in this town. And he has a badge, and he has authority, and he has a gun, and he has a taser, and he has mace, and he has all, the, all that you need. Maybe a few hidden hand grenades, I don't know. <laughs> you know, there was one time, there was one time, he was in another city, he was in Durango. There was one time, he got a call to a house, some, some lady called him to the house, it was on drugs or something. He comes to the house, and this lady pulls out a crossbow, cocked, just like this close to him, and if she would have done this, that would have went through him, through probably three houses down the street. That thing was ready to just take him out. Yeah. And she goes, I called you because I'm going to kill you. I don't like police officers. And she had the thing called, the thing was fully stretched. All she had to do was, and Isaac said, all of a sudden, she went kind of like, and he said, everything went in slow motion. You know, if everything goes in slow motion, you have a heavyweight advantage because you're not in slow motion. Yeah. She said, he said, everything went in slow motion. And when she did this little thing with her sniff, he said he saw him just slowly moving like this, taking the crossbow out of her hand and putting it down and putting handcuffs on her. That's called the power of God. Yes. <laughs> That's called the power of God. Yes. <laughs> we were watching a movie one time. What was it? The Prince of Persia, I think it was. And the Sands of Time and the, the dagger with the Sands of Time in it. It was really cool because if they got into a fight and, and they got you know, slashed with a sword or something, they could push this little thing on this knife and shh, everything would go back like about 15 seconds. And then they know what to do so that that wouldn't happen again. It's like the Lord helped him supernaturally. Well, anyway, cops have authority. They have authority. You know what that means? That means that the whole system backs them up in their uh, efforts to keep things right. Wouldn't it be weird if Isaac was out on the field <clears throat> and somebody was trying to steal something from Walmart or whatever and, and Isaac calls up the, 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 the chief of police and says, Sir, um, I've got somebody here who's trying to steal something. Um, I'm asking you to please come down and, and help, help arrest them. Would you please arrest them? Would you please come down here? And the guy would go, um, I've given you authority, Isaac. You, you arrest him. No, no, no. I, I, need, I need the chief of police. Do I have to call the senator? Senator, would you come? Please, I've got somebody here I need to arrest. No, Isaac needs to do the arresting. He has the authority. We need to quit calling on God to doing all these things that he's given us authority to do. But you're not going to do all these things if you don't realize you have authority and you don't realize you're righteous. Oh, I just, I know I've got authority, but I just deserve this punishment. Jesus took your punishment for you. Why would you have to take it after he took it for you? The devil's trying to beat you down, keep you in a state of not using your authority and lose. Let me say this to you. James 5, 16. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. When you realize you're righteous, you start praying more powerful prayers because you're not slipping into doubt after you pray. Let me read this to you. The man who does not understand righteousness is always searching for someone else to pray the prayer of faith for him. The man who doesn't understand that the righteousness of God in Christ is always searching for somebody else more righteous than them to pray the prayer they need. But when you realize you're righteous, you start praying prayers for yourself. And you start getting results because you realize, 
Kenneth Hagin's no more righteous than I am. He may be more developed spiritually than I am, but he's no more righteous than I am. We don't have to put on our spiritual applications that we were ever guilty of sin because we've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. Let me say this to you. Christians are not sinners trying to be good. Christians are the righteousness of God learning to live out who they really are. You know, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, let me read that again. Christians are not sinners trying to be good. Christians are the righteousness of God learning to live out who they really are. There's a scripture in uh, Ephesians chapter 4 where it says, um, put off the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Let me tell you what one translation says. One translation says this, discover new ways of expressing your new unique personhood in Christ. Ways which are in harmony with who you really are. Discover new ways of expressing your new, unique personhood in Christ. Ways which are in harmony with who you really are. Who are you really? Discover ways of expressing that. Discover ways of expressing who you really are. Don't get tired of me now. We don't try to be righteous any more than a man tries to be a man. We were born again righteous. So quit trying to be what you already are, believe you are, and just learn to live that out. What's the best way to overcome sin? Believe you are righteous. I'm going to read you just a couple more things and I'll let you go. People who live under condemnation tend to condemn others. This kind of helps you locate yourself. Are you living under condemnation? Are you living under a sense of righteousness because of what Jesus has done for you? Well, people that are under condemnation tend to be real hard on other people. So that's why we need to pray for people that are boogers (laughs) because something's eating at them. And if they were free from that thing, they wouldn't be so mean. Hmm? Psalm 89.16. Xander, you can put it up there. You're quick. Psalm 89.16. But you don't have to turn to it, church. Just look on the screen. The Bible says, talking about God, God, in your name shall they rejoice all the day. And in your righteousness they shall be exalted. What's going to lift you up above the storm? In your righteousness, God, we will be exalted. One translation says, your righteousness shall lift them up. Should we be lifted up because of what Jesus has done for us? Go to Romans 1, 16 and 17. Well, actually, don't go there. Let me just read this to you because I'm going to read it out of some translations you don't have. These are some modern translations. Listen to Romans 1, 16 and 17. The Bible says, the gospel of God is a power which emanates from God and saves all who believe in the gospel. The gospel reveals God's way of making men as righteous as himself. It is a process which from beginning to end is entirely by faith. You should have just fell over right there. We would have picked you up. It reveals, the gospel reveals God's way of making men as righteous as himself. 
what will that do for your faith? What will that do for your prayer life? Listen to what the Weymouth translation says. The Weymouth says, For in the good news, a righteousness which comes from God is being revealed, depending on faith and tending to produce faith. One of the greatest things that will help your faith is realizing you are the righteousness of God in Christ. You're not a victim, you're a victor, and you have some blood-bought rights, and it's time to lay claim to those rights. Okay, Carpenter translation. You ready? This is a little long. It's even worse than the Amplified, in a good sense. Listen to the Carpenter translation of Romans 3, 21 through 22. You ready? The Bible says in Romans 3, 21 through 22, in the Carpenter But what has happened now is that outside the law, apart from all question of injunction and prohibition, a whole new kind of righteousness has been revealed to a wondering world. It does not say how many commandments have you kept. Answer, all or nearly all. Very good. Go up top. No, it says something much more marvelous and much more defined than that. This righteousness that God has given says this. Do you pledge yourself solely and utterly to Christ? The longed-for words, not guilty, are heard by those who are His, who stand in true relation towards Him. God strikes off their fetters. He breaks the prison doors. He lifts them to the happy level where they hear the emancipating verdict, prisoner at the bar, you may go free. Oh, glory to God. I was thinking, what are, the things, what are people struggling with today? I wrote a list here. People are struggling with depression. They're struggling with lack of purpose. They're struggling with financial lack. They're struggling with sin. They're struggling with sickness. They're struggling with fear. They're struggling with loneliness. This message will fix it all. You won't put up with that junk when you realize you're righteous. After all the Lord paid and did for you? Are you kidding me? If he became sin so we could become his righteousness, I say we appropriate it. I say we say yes to it. I say we boldly declare, I am righteous. If he's going to go through being made sin so I can have his righteousness, I better start talking like I'm righteous, believing that I'm righteous, acting like I'm righteous. Yeah, but Jesus got results because he was a son of God. Well, who are you? Who are you? Are you an outside pagan or are you a son of God? Well, Jesus got results because he was righteous. Well, what are you? You're the righteousness of God in Christ. He made you that way. Well, Jesus got results because God was his father. Well, who's your father? Well, Jesus got results because he never sinned. Well, you're just as you'd never sinned because of the blood of Jesus. Well, he got results because he had the Holy Ghost. Well, what do you have? You got the Holy Ghost. So why are we doing what he did? Because we don't see ourselves the way he saw himself. He saw himself as the son of God. He saw himself as the sent one. He saw himself as the anointed one. He saw himself righteous. He saw himself right with his father and he got results everywhere he went, casting out demons, setting people free. Righteousness means this. It's the state of being right, not just acts, but nature. Justified means innocent, treated as one who has not sinned, just if I'd never sinned. Both mean innocent, not guilty by the blood of Jesus. Ephesians 3.12 in the Today's Living Bible says, Now we can come fearlessly right into God's presence, assured of his glad welcome. Righteousness means you can come into God's presence fearlessly, assured of his glad welcome. How you doing, Lou? Good to see you, buddy. 
How you doing, Dad? Great, man. Creator of the universe. Doing good. <laughs> the Love It translation says this in Ephesians 3.12. The Love It says, we not only have free access to God, but we can feel perfectly at ease in His presence. Do you feel perfectly at ease in the presence of the strongest anointing? Well, if you don't, you need to recognize and realize you're, you have a right to be there by the blood of Jesus. Barclay translation says this in the Romans 3, uh, excuse me, Ephesians 3.12. We can enter into God's royal presence with no fear and in perfect trust. Romans 1.17, the Williams translation says, for in the good news, God's way of making man's right standing with him Oh, excuse me. I already read that. Let me go to this one here. Righteousness means the ability to stand in the presence of the Father God without a sense of guilt or inferiority. It also gives us consciousness of being masters over the forces of darkness. Righteousness gives us a consciousness of being masters over the forces of darkness. All right, I'm going to skip ahead just because I know you want me to go longer. I'm going to skip ahead... <laughs> And I want to read to you uh, uh, the condemnation test. This will help you locate where you're at, and we'll close with this, all right? This is the condemnation test. This is for you to discern if you're under a little bit of condemnation and maybe didn't know it. I think everybody in this world struggles with a sense of guilt and condemnation, but we as believers should come up above that by the blood of Jesus. You know why there is not a lot of casting out of devils and seeing results and rebuking the enemies? Because people don't have the boldness it takes to see results in that area. This message will help them get bold. Here's the condemnation test. The Bible says there should be no condemnation to us who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Here's how you can tell you where you're at. Ready? Here's the condemnation test. Number one, ask yourself, do you still at times accept bad feelings about past sins, even though you've asked God to forgive you? Do you still at times accept bad feelings about sins of the past? even though you've already asked God to forgive you? Because if you still accept bad feelings, you're under a degree of condemnation. You need to get out of it. Yeah. Just refuse to feel bad about sins you've already confessed to the Lord. They're gone. They're under the blood. And he forgot them. You should forget them. Number two, do you believe you're inferior to other people? Do you believe you're inferior to other? Because if you do, you're under a sense of guilt. You need to get that out. Say, I'm not, an, I'm, not inferior. I'm not greater than anybody. I'm not inferior to anybody. Number three, do you sense a lack of faith when you're facing the challenges of life? If you sense a lack of faith when you're facing a challenge, you need to ask yourself why. Where's this guilt or condemnation coming from? You know God is great, but you just sense you're not quite ready to believe. Number four, are you afraid of God? Do you think you're unready to go to heaven? And I'm talking about afraid, afraid in the negative way. Number five, do you have to achieve to feel satisfied with yourself? Oh, I feel better about myself if I just reach this goal. You're under a degree of guilt and condemnation and you don't believe you're already righteous. You're still trying to be something God already made you. Number six, do you feel better about your life when you hear about the failures of others? Man, I'm glad they messed up because I thought I was the worst until I just heard that. Get rid of the guilt. Grow up. Get into a higher plane. Quit trying to be what you already are. Number seven, do you draw back from thoughts of being wealthy? That's a sign you don't believe you're righteous. That's a sign you're under a degree of condemnation. 
A sense of condemnation robs man of faith in himself, in God, and in others. Praise the Lord. Well, we'll go through the rest of these some other time. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Thanks, church, for letting me read my notes to you. Just stand up. Thank you, Lord. You know, a lot of people's prayers are simply prayers of desperation and not of faith. Because they have this lingering sense of, I just don't know if I'm good enough. I, I, you know, you can't have your mind on sin and him at the same time. That's called double-mindedness. If we would put our mind more on him than trying to fix all our sin, we would find him lifting us out of these things we've been trying to get out in our own power. Father, we just thank you. You have done more for us than we have realized. But you're helping us to see more and more that we are not the same when we're born again. There is a huge difference between who we were and who we are. You have made us righteous, holy, acceptable in your sight. Help us to get that through our heads. Help us to get that in our blood. Help us to realize, Father, we are not dirty, worm sinners anymore. We are beautiful and white and clean and pure and kings that are supposed to reign in life. Romans 5, 17, one translation says, they who receive the gift of righteousness shall live their lives victoriously. Victory comes after realizing we've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. Father, we thank you that we don't have to earn it. We don't have to pray for it. We're not going to be any more righteous a million years from now than we are right now because we can't get any more righteous than the righteousness of God in Christ. Father, we thank you for making us new. Help us to see life from your perspective. Help us to detach from what the world's screaming in our ears. Show us who we really are more and more as we go forward in these teachings and praying about these things. Father, we thank you. You have fixed the greatest problem in the universe. You have fixed our inner man. We are no longer sinners. We are saints. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. And we flat out believe it. Thank you, Lord, for making us who we could never make ourselves. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. If your heart agrees with this, say this with me. Lord Jesus, thank you forever for making me righteous. Thank you for justifying me, washing away all my sins, and making me a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. Help me to live out of this reality. Help me to fine-tune my actions and my words and my attitudes to be in line with the righteousness of God that I am in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Dominic. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab. 